Grace and peace, everyone. Grace and peace. It is so good to see y'all this morning. Um, hope y'all have had a uh, good start to the week. Uh, looking forward to our time together. Uh, Pastor Kurt sends his uh, regrets. He is not feeling well today. Um, started last night, and so uh, he sends his regrets, and we will do the best we can to, to move on without him. Is that okay? All right. Very good. Well, as uh, we uh, begin our time, I want to uh, begin with Psalm 27. This is a David psalm. Uh, one of the things we're going to, that we haven't said lately, the last two or three weeks um, before Christmas and the last uh, couple of weeks since, um, David has found himself in a very, uh, let's just call it an unholy place. The choices that he made around the whole situation with Bathsheba, the choices that he is making uh, in uh, basically not dealing with the sins of his sons. Uh, have you noticed who has been curiously absent for the whole, from the whole conversation? God. Yeah. Now, when David was in the grips of grief, uh, thinking that Bathsheba's child uh, was going to die, there seemed to be some, uh, who knows, maybe the Lord will have mercy. That was kind of, and that, that's it. It's all we've had. One would think something as terrible and tragic as that would drive someone to reconnect with God. And we find him uh, not doing that during this really dark time uh, during his uh, reign. And so um, holding that over here, like your expectations and your hopes for the week, like what do you want? These are some questions that we've been kind of trying to stir in you, uh, not just you, but our whole congregation, like to really uh, get serious in our life. You know, everything is spiritual. When we start uh, parsing out our life, and this is my spiritual life, this is my work life, this is my family life, we miss the mark because all of life is spiritual, right? And so, as we think about what's ahead of us the, this week, what do you want? And how do you hold that desire up in God's presence? What do you want? God, what do you think? And some things that are always swirling around our desires are fear. Will this happen? Or will this happen? Or confidence. Those seem to be kind of opposites of each other, right? And this psalm speaks to both of those things. So as you ponder this morning, what you want God to do for you. Think about your fear and your confidence relative to your life with God. And let's see how Psalm 27 might help us to hold on to both of those. Let's pray. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. 
Of whom shall I be afraid when the wicked advanced against me to devour me? It is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his dwelling place. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe. He will hide me in his shelter and set me high upon upon the rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Well, we left off last week uh, with uh, Absalom, uh, David's son. And I wanted to show you uh, just real quick. Um, this is a um, family tree of Jesse, which is David's father. Uh, you, so you can see David and his uh, brothers there, and then David, David's sons. It's kind of, I get confused about all the different names. I don't know about y'all, but I get confused. And so it kind of helps me to, to go, and it, it actually says here, the, the, uh, it gives the wives of who uh, birthed these sons, which is helpful. And so there you have Amnon, Amnon and Absalom. Uh, they are by different, different, they have different moms, and hence some of the, that, that created some of the, uh, the conflict, that is for sure. And uh, these are the other sons that are mentioned, and 13 more. Uh, so uh, lots of sons, lots of kids, uh, and David uh, is struggling uh, to have his place as a father in their lives uh, because of the shame that he has relative to choices that he has made. All right. Anybody have any questions on the family tree there? All right. So remember, uh, after Absalom uh, had his... uh, brother killed, half-brother killed, he uh, runs, and he uh, runs to Gerar, uh, Gerar, I, uh, let's see, Gesher, runs to Gesher, um, it is a small, very small kingdom uh, close to the Sea of Galilee, and so David is in Jerusalem, uh, Absalom is way up north in, uh, close to the Sea of Galilee, and Remember, we had this uh, place now that David is in where it's been three years and uh, David's gotten over his anger and he really, really wants to see Absalom again. So here we go. Joab, son of Zuriah. It's the same Joab that uh, is uh, David's hitman 
takes care, does David's dirty work for him. Uh, not a very good guy, I would say. Uh, but David needs him. The way that he's arranged his life and the choices that he has made, he needs him for sure. So Joab uh, knew that the king's heart longed for Absalom. All right, seems like a good thing. So Joab sent someone to Tekoa. Now, so kind of get, get your geography. you got the Sea of Galilee in the north. That's where Absalom is. Anybody know where Tekoa is? In the south. Uh, Tekoa is uh, it's, it is a city in Judah in the south. It is also where Amos is from, like the prophet Amos. Uh, so that's free. Uh, that's just over there. Uh, that's where Amos uh, received his calling to be a prophet. It's when he was uh, taking care of sheep and picking figs to Koa in the south. So, whoop. so seems odd to ponder that. Why not just go to Absalom and say, it's time to come home, son. Your dad is ready. Or, David, let's go get your son. Come on. We got to do all this, right? So Joab sent someone to Tekoa and had a wise woman brought from there. He said to her, pretend. How do you think this is shaping up? <laughs> pretend you are in mourning. I mean, this is like, we know this, but sometimes it's really hard for us just to be honest and to be as direct as we can without being obnoxious. This is, this is the best course of action for our lives, is to put the pretense aside. But here we go. Pretend you are in mourning. Dress in mourning clothes and don't use any cosmetic lotions. We've seen that before. Uh, that was with Bathsheba. So you're supposed to be stirring some of this in your mind. Act like a woman who has spent many days grieving for the dead. Then go to the king and speak these words to him. And so basically, what is Joab asking her to do? Yeah. And to kind of act like a prophet in some ways, right? Okay. They go to the king and speak to these words to him. And Joab put the words in her mouth. When the woman from Tekoa went to the king, she fell with her face to the ground to pay him honor. And she said, help me, your majesty. The king asked her, what is troubling you? She said, I am a widow. My husband is dead. I, your servant, had two sons. All right. So put your Bible brains on for a second. Two sons. What should that start doing in your mind? There you go. Very good, Tom. That's, that's the first of two sons, uh, Cain and Abel. All right. Now, in this story in particular, what should be the other story we should be starting to draw from? 
Well, that could be. Back to this slide. Amnon and Absalom. Right? Those are the those are the two sons who have been in conflict during this part of the story. Alright? So hang on to those two stories. Alright? Now Cain and Abel, it's kind of like it's one of those stories that we know just about as well as any in the Bible. Right? We don't know why God accepted Abel's offering and rejected. I mean, that's the word that's used, rejected Cain's offering. We don't know why. The writer does not think that is important. So wasting energy on determining that, that's, that's missing the kind of the, the driving point of the story back in Genesis chapter 4. But what we do know is that Cain was unwilling to deal with the sin in his own heart. Basically, remember, humans have a calling to rule over the animals. And sin that gets personified in that story as like an animal that is crouching, ready to devour you. And does Cain get devoured by his sin? Absolutely. So that's stirring. And then Absalom, does he get devoured by his desire for revenge at what he did, what Amnon did to his sister? Sure. So that's kind of that's kind of all that's being channeled here by this story, right? Your servant had two sons. They got into a fight with each other in a field. Where did Cain kill Abel? Field, right? And no one was there to separate them. One struck the other and killed him. Now, the whole clan has risen up against your servant. They say, hand over the one who struck his brother down, so that we may put him to death for the life of his brother whom he killed. Then we will get rid of the heir as well. They would put, they would put out the only burning coal I have left leaving my husband neither name nor descendant on the face of the earth. What does this sound a lot like in beyond, before the, sto- the, the story of Amnon and Absalom? What is this starting to sound a lot like? Remember Nathan, the prophet? He goes to David and he tells, he doesn't just say, David, thus saith the Lord, you screwed up. But he gives David this story about these lambs, right? And how somebody took the lamb and all that. And, and y'all remember the story. Um, that came from a true prophet sent from God. Now, this story on the surface sounds pretty good. Like Joab, the story that Joab put in this woman, uh, it seems like, okay, well, I think it's going to try to get David's attention here. Let's see how well it works. So the woman, made-up story, she is on the verge of being completely uh, destitute, without air, bad, bad spot. The king said to the woman, go home. 
and I will issue an order in your behalf. Whoa! It's like David is acting. He hears this injustice going on. He hears the struggle of this woman, and it's like, yeah, I'll take care of it. And I, I know from my own experience that it is much easier for me to help church members to navigate stuff that is going on in your lives than it is for me to navigate things in my life and my family. And that's what David's doing. Here we go. But the woman from Tekoa said to him, let my lord, the king, pardon me and my family and let the king and his throne be without guilt. It's odd. The king replied, if anyone says anything to you, bring them to me and they will not bother you again. She said, then let the king invoke the Lord, his God. (coughs) To prevent the avenger of blood from adding to the destruction so that my son will not be destroyed. So inviting God to get involved in this course of action is what she is, she is asking. She's wanting the bloodshed to stop. Um, as surely as the Lord lives, he said, not one hair on your son's head will fall to the ground. David is going to make sure that the, that the uh, son is protected. Then the woman said, let your servant speak a word to my Lord the king. Speak, he replied. The woman said, why then? Have you devised? So here is, uh, uh, remember when Nathan says, you are the man to David? This is the line from the woman. Why then have you devised a thing like this against the people of God? Like, you think that this thing is going to end really bad whenever it starts out, when when Joab is making this up. But it seems like it's actually moving in a positive direction. Why then have you devised a thing like this against the people of God? When the king says this. I mean, do you think Joab had the capacity to notice that? That that David had basically abandoned his relationship with God and that he noticed that? And that he's putting seeds in this woman to say these things? Man, I don't know. It's it's, uh, very interesting. When the king says this, does he not convict himself? For the king has not brought back his banished son. Like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be recovered. So we must die. But that is not what God desires. Rather, he devises ways so that a banished person does not remain banished from him. And now, I've come to say this to my Lord the King, because the people you have because the people have made me afraid. Your servant thought, I will speak to the king. Perhaps he will grant his servant's request. 
Perhaps the king will agree to deliver his servant from the hand of the man who is trying to cut off both me and my son from God's inheritance. The, the, the inheritance that is talked about is the whole land. It's not just part of the land. It's not, it's not see, uh, perpetuating the division. Remember, there is, especially in the north, where, where Absalom is right now, in the north, there is, there is deep hatred for David. They actually liked Saul a lot up there. I mean, we get the we get the bad the the bad side of Saul uh, in in uh, first first Samuel for sure. We get the bad his bad side. They they loved him up there, and so it is this. Uh, there there is definitely conflict, and then when there is this sense of instability, it gives them the opportunity to pounce. <laughs> That probably speaks to some of our political climate, right? It's like whenever, whatever side of the aisle you prefer, whenever the uh, the other side of the aisle you sense some weakness, you sense some. Uh, they they the, even right now, like Biden is starting to seem like he is losing his base, even right. For people on the other side of the aisle, what does that make them do? Yeah, I knew it was going to happen. I knew it. And then, is any of that good? Is 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 division? Is any of that really good for the country? No, it's not. Believe me, it's not. Um, but that's that is our broken human nature. That we want our guy. We want our way. And when there is weakness on the other, and that is what is happening. There's the, in the north, there is all of this hope building that David will be removed. All right. I will speak to the king. Perhaps he will grant the servant's request. Perhaps the king will agree to deliver his servant from the hand of the man who is trying to cut off both me and my, my son from God's inheritance. And now your servant says, May the word of my lord the king secure my inheritance. For my lord the king is like an angel of God in discerning good and evil. May the lord your God be with you. Well, I don't know who's brilliant. Is it really Joab that, is, that, that has gotten to the heart of this woman? Or is it that through this plan of deception, and that's what it is, right? He's deceiving uh, David. This plan of deception, this woman is actually, actually speaking for God. I mean, it's something that you got to... The, the writer doesn't answer the question, but ponder that, that last line there. Or the second to the last line there. For my Lord the King, oh, sorry, is like an angel. Let's see what that word in Hebrew is. Um, yeah, 
It's just uh, malak, which is messenger. Say, you know, in uh, in Greek, the the uh, name for angels is angelos, which simply means messenger, right? And um, malak is the Hebrew equivalent of that, which is uh, messenger. Um, and so she she recognizes uh, who David is and his capacities. For my lord the king is like an angel. Like somebody, an angel is considered to be close to God because they, they actually deliver God's messages to humanity. Discerning good and evil. Is that true? Is that who David is, Kurt? Huh. Not lately, anyway. Not lately. Sometimes we need people to remind us who we are. To remind us that we actually have the capacity to be who God has made us to be. And this woman, through this weird circumstance, is actually saying, David, remember who you are. The way back before all this was going on with, with Bathsheba, you, you were in this place with God. You were close to God. Uh, you, you were Remember, you were wanting to build God a house. That's how close to God you were. And he has forgotten who he is. And sometimes we need those people in our lives to remind us, oh, you actually can do this. You can make right choices. You can discern between good and evil. But the key is, just like the question, what is it that you want? What if that thing that you want is evil? And evil seems like, oh, really bad. No, evil just may not be the best thing for you. The best thing for your family. Or the best thing for others. (coughs) Who helps you to feel your way relative to that choice and that desire. God, other people who are close to God, they're the ones that help. And David has abandoned all of it. And then that that is the telling line, that last line, may the Lord your God be with you. So through this lie, uh, through this story, this woman has basically reminded David who he is and invited him to reconnect. May the Lord your God be with you. God never ceases being with us. God does not have the capacity to abandon us. But God will step back if we do not, if we do not desire, as Psalm 27 says, to seek him. He will not bully his way. It's one of my favorite ways to describe God is God is no bully. God will not bully us into listening to his guidance in our life. May the Lord your God be with you. What are your questions, thoughts on all this? Has Joanne recognized that David is straight from God? And through this woman, he's been trying to manipulate David to come closer to God. That's, I think that's the question. And, uh, I, 
I would say that's exactly how to describe him. And it's not going to get any better. Joab will continue. I mean, and, and you know, the, the writer of, of uh, 2 Samuel does not make any, as far as I can tell, does not make any moral declarations on, upon Joab's character. That is left to us to kind of read between the lines and say, is this right? Is it good for a king to have a hitman like David? For, for David and for David, basically, Joab becomes the means by which David does not have to deal with his biggest problems. Surprising amount of death for Joab that was unexpected. It's it's unexpected, so it makes me think that through the deception that Joab uh, sought to ride out with this woman, it, that the woman actually ended up being the one that was speaking for God. That could be it. Or Joab could have had a moment of great inspiration. He could have. That's a great question. But ponder this. You and Joab and everybody important in the kingdom shows up on Absalom's door and that you utter these words. Absalom, like from a distance, because you, you're not going to get too close, right? Absalom, I forgive you. Please come home. Would that be different? Could that, and I think that's the, I think that is the alternate, uh, the alternate story that you're supposed to maybe ponder on. David is using somebody else to do what David should do. Does David ever take matters into his own hands? And the answer is yes, of course. Why not now? Well, maybe he's afraid. Maybe he's afraid that if Absalom will kill Amnon, maybe he'll kill me. But that just seems odd that David wouldn't believe in his own strength enough to feel like that he could withstand that if that's what could. Because that could be, that could very well be uh, an outcome of going to Absalom. Nope, we're going to fight this out, Pop. You didn't, you, for all those years, you did nothing to defend your daughter's honor, my sister's honor. Nothing. I had to take matters into my own hands. No way. You're a bum. Let's fight it out. That could have been the outcome. But at least you're the one that's making the effort instead of sending somebody else. <coughs> Yeah, there you go. But you wouldn't want to do, of course. Chuck's an adult devotional this morning. He talks about getting ready to start a series on different types of people that have problems in life. It starts with what he calls simple-minded. Okay. And he defines that as people that cannot discern or see deceit, evil, kind of wondering if this is a picture of people Seeing what they should be seeing. Yeah. Or I think David, David sees it. He he just doesn't want to. And, and that's how it is, right? That that's life. It's so much like we we actually know what's going on. Um, it's just 
having the character to actually walk towards it instead of stepping back from it. I mean, that, that's really the bottom line. And I definitely think that that is David's issue. What else? And uh, on Sunday, this coming Sunday, as we continue through our, our sermon series on 1 John, um, we get to this section of the book uh, where John uh, is explicit why he is writing the letter that he is writing. And uh, so I'm going to give you all, all a head start on some work that we're going to do together. Um, what letter, and I'm, I'm using letter in a... Uh, it could be a literal letter that you could write. Let's just say, what thing needs to be communicated to who in your life? And for what reason? And that's pretty wide open, right? I mean, God can, God can stir a lot. God could lead us to do a lot of work if you uh, sit with that question. What needs to be communicated to who in your life. And if you have the courage to walk towards that and actually do the work, could it be that there could be some, some difference that could be made? And I think that this story of David leads us to conclude that, my goodness, if David would have gotten out in front of this a long time ago, there could be a lot better ending. We're going to know the ending is not pretty. As beautiful as all this la these last couple of lines are and what the woman says to David, it ends very ugly. So there, there, there it is. What needs to be said? The person in your life, what needs to be said to them? From you. And what difference could it make? That's your challenge, to ponder that. Uh, especially as we move towards Sunday, as we get into to all of that together in First John. Let's pray. Lord, as David prayed, so do we. You are our light. You are our salvation. We don't need to be afraid. And yet, God, like David, we are. And God, I pray that as we uh, discern that person or people in our life that you need us to say something to, that you will give us the courage and the confidence that can only come from you to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Much love, brothers.